0: Shot me down, bang, bang, I hit the ground, bang, bang. that awful sound. Bang, bang. my baby shot me down. Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And in tonight's episode, we are continuing Horror Month, where I try to present you the creepiest possible movies that you can watch for Halloween this year. And tonight's is no exception. Tonight's is an especially creepy-slash-horrific-slash-memorable horror movie from 2007 called The Mist, which is based on a Stephen King story. One of my personal favorite Stephen King stories, I should add. So I am very excited to talk about this movie, which... I will warn you right now, pulls no punches whatsoever, and this is possibly the most depressing horror movie you are ever going to see. So, warning you about about that ahead of time. And my co-host for this episode, she is a friend of mine from Facebook, and I've known her for several years, and she keeps saying she wants to do a horror movie with me, and it took a long time to hash out which one we we were going to do. We eventually landed on The Mist. And she's a big horror movie fan. She is uh, from Kentucky. And uh, she has a wonderful job. that I'm very excited to bring on the first beer chemist onto Staff Picks. Welcome to the show, Jesse Bentley.
1: Hey, hi, everyone.
0: Jesse, I'm so excited we finally agreed on a movie, The Mist.
1: Yes, it is a great movie. And I'm so glad we finally, like, nailed one down, so...
0: All right, so uh, why don't you, before we delve into this, give people a history on your backstory with horror movies, because I knew you had told me you're, like, one of the world's biggest horror movie fans, and you know almost all of these movies. Like, give us give us a little intro about yourself.
1: Oh, goodness. I have been watching horror movies since I was super little, like, not anything crazy, but I probably watched Scream when I was about seven years old. <laughs> it's one of my favorite horror movies, all the Scream movies, um, and, and then just from there, it kind of evolved, and I've... I've Always been a huge horror movie fan from anything from the classics from, like, Friday the 13th and Jason and um, uh, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street and all of that, up to anything newer, like um, some of the Insidious movies, Cabin in the Woods is one of my personal favorites, and obviously anything Stephen King. I have been a huge Stephen King fan. Uh, I've I've read several books and watched several of the movies, even some of, like, the crazy little, you know, straight-to-TV movies they did, so... (laughs)
0: Now, Okay, now, you mentioned one in there. Now, I think I know the answer to this question. What is your all-time favorite horror movie? I'm curious.
1: Oh, my all-time favorite horror movie has is Cabin in the Woods, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's the one I thought you were going to say. Jesse has <laughs> proposed that we do an episode on Cabin in the Woods in the past several times, very enthusiastically, and I, I've only seen Cabin in the Woods once, and I, I am not sure if I love it or not, so I'm right on the fence, so... So, yeah, so this may be up to you to sell this to me one day. We may, if you have a return appearance on Staff Picks, that might indeed be where we're going.
1: Oh, definitely. It is like one of the meta of horror movies, if I have to say. it, I I could go on and talk to you for hours about that movie, so.
0: Okay, and, okay so here's another question. Do you prefer, like, classic horror movies, like older ones, or a more modern movie? What would be your preference?
1: Mm. Um, They both have... Their ups and downs, obviously, but ooh. Um, I would have to say maybe just eh, any of the older horror movies. I think I still have to go older. They're just classics. They're one of a kind, and I feel like anything newer is still just a play on that, which is one of the reasons I like Cabin in the Woods, because I don't think it kind of follows that same storyline that older horror movies do. It's kind of like a new invention on some stuff. Um, but I love older horror movies because they're they're – they're new. They were like one of a kind back then.
0: Yeah, they were, they were inventing the genre, as I like to yes,
1: say. Yes, and it's awesome. It's so amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We just had my daughter on the show. She just did my Wicker Man episode, and she's 19, and her favorite horror movie of all time is The Wicker Man from 1973, which I think is so cool. And you're only five years older than her, and so mm-hmm. here's another younger horror movie fan who loves all these classic ones. Now, which, which classic one would be your favorite? Hellraiser. Do you know I hate to admit I have never seen Hellraiser.
1: That's okay, it, that's okay. But it is one. It's it's just one of those that I really relate to. It's not your typical slasher movie. It's kind of a little bit different, a little bit more dark, I guess.
0: <laughs> now, okay, wait. You you threw out a phrase there. I can't possibly let go. <laughs> How do you relate to Hellraiser? Is there some demon background or hell no! background? <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, totally. That's, that's, I'm just a spawn. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, no, I just think that it's very, it sends your mind on a little bit of a journey that some of the other horror movies don't. That's what I'll say. It makes you think about the world a little different.
0: Okay. I, I was going to ask a really stupid question and say, so you think I should watch that? But knowing that that's your favorite, I, I'm guessing I know the answer to that.
1: It's fairly good. Yes. I, I would, I would say definitely go in At least give it a watch.
0: Okay, I, I hate to admit that I'm the guy that's always recommending movies to people, and I've already admitted I've never seen Hellraiser. So. <laughs> that's okay.
1: That's okay.
0: I'm glad I'm glad I have your approval here. <laughs> so, Okay, so Stephen King movies. This is a – we could spend three hours, I'm sure, just talking about Stephen King movies. And you've said before, you've seen all of them, right?
1: Oh, I've seen a a ton of them. Everything from Firestarter, Thinner, Children of the Corn one of my favorites, which I know is super lame, but I love it anyway. Uh, at, at Carrie, you know, uh, Pet Sematary, the new one, the old one, all of them. Yeah, and I've pretty much read every one I've, I've watched. So,
0: wow, <laughs> wow, you have quite a back history. How come you haven't been on the show before? This is you're a good find for the show.
1: I don't know. I guess that's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> no,
0: it's fine. Take all the digs. Look, remember, I'm the guy who hasn't seen Hellraiser. so
1: Right, right. So, <laughs> I
0: cannot take the moral high ground here. Okay, so now Stephen King movies. Now, I have a very strong opinion of Stephen King movies. I'm curious. The stereotype out there is that Stephen King writes good stories that get turned into crappy movies. Now, would you tend to agree with that or disagree? Do you think most Stephen King movies are pretty good?
1: Except for the ending. <laughs>
0: well, now, whose fault is that? Is that Mr. King's fault? or the Oh, director? no, that
1: would never be his fault. Uh, I enjoyed, I think most of his movie adaptations are very well written. I think they follow the books very well. Not, not just the one we're talking about tonight, but several other ones. And I just think the ending doesn't always line up with what his vision was, which is fine. But eh, I don't know. I, I tend to like the darker endings. Yeah,
0: coincidentally, we happen to be talking about one of those. (laughs) Okay, I will, my personal opinion is that there are not that many good Stephen King movies, and I know that's kind of blasphemous, and I'm sure I'm about to get yelled at here, but there's one in particular that I don't think is very good, and it's always ranked among the greatest horror movies of all time. Can you guess which one I might be talking about?
1: Are you talking about It?
0: I am not talking about It, but It is The Shining? The Shining would be the one.
1: Yes, that the it gave me nightmares when I was a child, but other than that, I do not really like it. I love the backstory behind it where he, you know, was in a hotel and had a dream or whatever it like led to this story. I think that's great. I think the story's great. The movie was a little, uh, uh nah. meh, meh. <laughs>
0: Okay, why? Because that one continually gets ranked like the number one greatest horror movie of all time, and it always shows up on lists. And I don't like it any more than you do. Why, well, why do you say, nah?
1: Jack Nicholson was great in it, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> Whoever played the female, I do not remember her name. I did not like any of her acting.
0: How dare you besmirch the great Shelley Duval, Olive Oil herself?
1: I'm so sorry. Um, I, I, I tended to laugh at most of her parts, which is ridiculous, I know. But I was like, this is this is crazy. But I liked the whole premise, like you know, crazy writer gone mad. But I, it, the execution of it just wasn't what I would have expected.
0: Yeah, I will just simplify by saying, first of all, my wife agrees with you. She hates Shelley Duvall in that movie. She's like, I can't even watch her. Yeah, so God bless Shelley Duvall. But the other thing is that for people who may not know this, the book of The Shining, very different than the movie The Shining, the book is very much uh yeah, let's see. How would I describe it? It's, it's a story of alcoholism and a perfectly normal family dad who goes, you know, stark raving mad because he's alcoholic and trapped and stir crazy. So he's not crazy. It's like a tragedy. It's it's like a Greek tragedy. And the movie, he's nuts from day one. And that's the big difference.
1: It's like the secret window, but without like a, like with a family. <laughs>
0: Did you just pull out a Secret Window reference on Staff oh, Fix? Oh, I love
1: that movie with Johnny Depp. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs>
0: wow. How? Okay, I'm already saying you're going to have a return appearance on Staff Fix. You you may know more about Stephen King stuff than I do. No, oh, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting back to The Mist. Yes. I will flat out say, of all the Stephen King horror movies out there, I think this is the best one. And that's a very controversial opinion, because I know there's some people out there who hate this movie, for reasons we'll get into. But I personally would say, if you just want to be scared crapless by a Stephen King story, this is the movie that I think is the most hardcore. And I actually don't even think it's that close, to be honest.
1: I can almost agree with you, because as far as just flat-out horror, and especially somebody who is a horrible, like, fear of bugs, (laughs) this movie strikes every fear I have Um, as compared to some of the other ones that are more psychological, more whatever, but this is definitely more fear based. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And this one of course does not shy away from going there. And I'm trying not to do too many spoilers, but we're already hinting this movie. It gets to a certain (laughs) point of good taste and ethics and it crosses the line that most movies will not cross. So that's the one thing when I talk about the mist, this is the one with, Dun, 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 that ending. And to back that up, like, there are Stephen King movies that I think are better, but they're the ones that I think are the non-horror, like uh, Stand By Me, The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile. Those are all fantastic movies. They're not really scary. Carrie, another one. Like, my thoughts on Carrie is that it's not really a horror movie because it's more sad than scary. What, What are your thoughts on Carrie?
1: Oh, it's definitely more sad than scary, which... To an extent, you could almost say this one is too, but no. But Carrie and, like you said, The Green Mile, Stand By Me, all those are more like sad, just kind of make you think movies as opposed to just being scary, like make you like wake up at night with thinking, oh, my God, what what did I just watch?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and I will say again, my daughter, a big horror movie fan like you, just right around your age, Mm -hmm. she doesn't really get bothered by horror movies. They don't really resonate with her. She has told me the mist is one of them that she thinks about that really bothered her, and so. But it's I will say it's not the ending that bothers her; it's the religious stuff when everyone gets all religious-y and culty. That really bothers her.
1: Oh yeah, the, that whole cult mentality of like, what would you do in that kind of a situation? Who do you follow? Where do you draw your lines? Definitely, that's the scary part. Other people are what's really scary if you get down to it.
0: I love that. See, you have, you have these great answers. I love that. Oh, thank you. Right. Again, I'm so excited Jesse's on the show. Jesse's one of them going to be my regulars, I'm telling you right now. God. Okay, so here we are, The Mist, Stephen King movie in 2007, and uh, directed by Frank Darabont, who will forever be known as the master of making Stephen King movies because he directed, you know which three he directed, right?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, I do, uh, hmm. I looked this up, but I cannot remember currently. But I did look this up. I do know.
0: Shawshank Redemption. He directed yes. that, and I Was believe the you, Green Mile. The Green Mile. Yeah. Okay. So he's done all three of these.
1: Oh, I love Shawshank too. I've been if you. I don't know if you've ever been to Ohio, but if you ever get to visit Manfield Prison and go to the Shawshank Prison, oh my goodness, it is amazing.
0: You know what's funny is that kills me. Is we were literally in Ohio this summer, and my wife's like, let's find something to do. And I'm like, I can't find anything to do in Ohio. So I wish you'd told me that three months ago.
1: Oh, it's so awesome. And it's also like a haunt. It's like haunted. I feel like it's haunted, too. I mean, it's not just a set, but it's haunted. Anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> okay. And the other thing I was going to say is that The Mist is and was for years one of the great unfilmed Stephen King stories. And there's another one. There was two that I always had for years. I'm like, this would make the greatest horror movie. And I could not believe it had never been made into a movie. Because I remember reading the story in like 1985. And for people who don't know, it's in uh, Skeleton Crew, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, it's about 150 pages. How long is that story? You just read it recently.
1: Uh, I just read it, but I read it on my Kindle, and it was about two hundred pages on the Kindle. I think it's a hundred and thirty something odd pages in print. I don't know. Hundred percent.
0: Okay. Yeah, but it's like it's not a full length novel. It's a novella, and it's like a midway between a short story and a novel. And for years, it went unfilmed, and I'm like, this is one of the greatest stories. I cannot believe they never made it into a movie. And eventually, they did, and it scared people. And uh, and I would assume you love the story as well.
1: Oh yeah, I do love the story. It was uh, it was great.
0: Okay, before we go into the mist, I have to say one thing about Stephen King, is that for years this, in my opinion, was the greatest unfilmed Stephen King story. There's one more out there, Jesse, that I think is even better, that's one of the greatest stories Stephen King ever wrote, and it has never been made into a movie. Now, with your extensive Stephen King knowledge, I'm curious if you and I would think of the same story here.
1: I don't think I know what you would have referenced. Ooh.
0: Can I give you a hint? Sure. It's a Richard Bachman story.
1: Oh, no, I don't know. Which one?
0: The Long Walk. The
1: Long. Oh, no, I don't know that one. Which one is it in?
0: You have never read The Long Walk?
1: I, I don't think I've read that one.
0: Well, I'm about to change your life, Jesse Bentley, because <laughs> so yeah, Stephen King wrote a bunch of stories as Richard Bachman when he was at the peak of his career. And one of them is uh, The Running Man, which is a totally different movie. One of them became, uh, uh, what is the other one? <laughs> oh, Thinner. Thinner's another one. I do
1: know Thinner. Yeah, I know that one.
0: Okay. But the best of them all, in my opinion, is The Long Walk, which is a futuristic game show where people are required to, it's like a marathon, and they have to walk, I think, above five miles an hour. And if you slow down below five miles an hour, you are shot in the head. And it is very creepy movie, and it's a very uh, dystopian nightmare of a future game show.
1: Oh, I need to totally read this. I love dystopian, creepy crap. So this—that's awesome. I need to read this one. Which is—is uh, it, is it a standalone or is it in one of his collections?
0: It was originally a standalone, but you can find it in the Bachman books if you. And it's about—it's yeah, it's like a novella. It's like 150 pages.
1: Awesome. Okay. Cool. I will have to i'll take that recommendation too
0: yeah and for everybody out there as well the long walk in my opinion the best stephen king story that has never been made into a movie and it kills me because that's it's dying to be made into a movie
1: oh netflix will do it they've been (laughs) on a stephen king kick lately so just they'll get there
0: (laughs) okay so here we go the mist 2007 are you ready to delve into this nightmare of a horror movie
1: Oh, I am totally ready. I've got my notebook and everything. Let's go.
0: All right. So The Mist is set as many Stephen King stories are in Maine and Castle. is it? Is in Castle Rock? I think it is.
1: The newspaper said Castle Rock, so we'll go with that.
0: Okay. As Yeah, Stephen King, that's his fictional town where nasty shit happens all the time. So don't ever move to Castle Rock. Don't ever move to Maine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You know, I don't have any Maine sponsors at the moment, so you're okay saying that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but I have, I have like 100 New Hampshire sponsors, so don't pick on New Hampshire, please. Oh,
1: no. Uh, of course not.
0: <laughs> so it is a uh, – this movie doesn't mess around. It starts immediately. It's just this little coastal town in Maine, and it stars a painter, David Drayton, I believe his name is, and uh, he's played by an actor, Thomas Jane, who's one of those guys I always forget the minute the movie's over, I forget who plays him.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: And really, it's a story. They live in this lakefront little village, and one day there's a huge storm, and it like knocks down all the trees and knocks out all the power, and it's just like the biggest storm to hit the area in years, and it's really just the recovery the next day.
1: Yeah, they just start recovering the next day, and they you know come out to find that like a lot of their stuff is uh, blown over. They had a big uh, tree that came through their front window and destroyed one of his paintings, which also, was that a painting of Gunslinger? Was that like one of the Dark Tower series, Gunslinger?
0: Yeah, that's one of the inside jokes in this movie. The start of it, he's a painter. David Drayton's a painter, and he's painting the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the background, another one of his paintings is The Thing, the John Carpenter movie. See that and i believe one of the other paintings is little georgie denbro from it missing oh, an arm
1: that's amazing i didn't pay that close of attention but that is amazing
0: so uh there's some little stephen king references and like this big storm comes in and everyone's trying to recover the next day because they've never seen a storm this bad and they're blaming what right from the start there's like a military base up in the mountains and they believe and they, they're already blaming the military right because there's this weird fog coming from that area
1: well, they're like, oh, it's with the arrow point. They were like, oh, it's arrow point. It's it's got to be the military up there. They they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff up there. Or you know you know how it is in a small town. Like everybody starts to talk. Everybody has their like conspiracy theories or whatever. Um, and and then that's how they explain this super dense fog that comes in. That just kind of moves in like a shelf basically.
0: And what's funny is that's as complicated as the plot of this movie is that there's the storm and there's this military base doing weird things. And this big fog comes into town after the storm. And that's literally the entire plot of the movie is that there's this big fog coming in and there's going to be creepy stuff within the fog. And we're going to find out later where it came from. But right from the start, the main guy, David and his neighbor, Mr. Norton, and they have a little son or the David's little son, Billy. Remember Billy, Billy's quite important here. (laughs) The three of them drive into town to the grocery store to get supplies, and that's, like, literally the entire setup for this movie.
1: Yeah, it all takes place, like, within this grocery store, and then they get out, and they go in, and obviously, like, chaos starts to happen, because any time, you know, you get one snowflake in the air, or, you know, the slightest storm, everybody goes to the grocery store, they start raiding the shelves, they start, you know, I need everything, I need to make sure everything's, you know, I have I have my bread, I have my milk, whatever.
0: Now, have you been through stuff like this before? Like, this is, you live in the part of the country where they have more adverse weather. Like, I live in Seattle where there's no weather, and California where they never see rain. Like, is this, have you been through natural disasters like this and you'd have had to go to the store?
1: Not ever, like, a a super hard rain like that, where we've had, like, tornadoes or anything, or, like, you know, a big storm front, trees blowing down. It's mostly, like, if, if it starts to snow. If it ever starts to snow, people are, like immediately go to the store you get all your bread all your milk it's a rush like all the aisles are backed up you know you're just better off to go through self-checkout and be on your way
0: now did i mention where you're from that snow story makes more sense you're from kentucky
1: i am from kentucky yes
0: okay yes no snow it's if it were to ever snow in california i don't even know what would happen it would be a hundred times worse because they've never seen it here
1: it's still chaos even here, so don't worry. I could only imagine if somewhere where the, you, you rarely ever get it. So,
0: Okay, so they go to the grocery store, and again, everyone's panicking in town because there's this mist, this weird mist coming in, and nobody has any supplies. They don't know how long power is going to be down in town. And so everyone's congregating in this town. And let's talk about, uh, I was going to say let's talk about some of the characters, but the problem is I always forget the character names in this movie. But we will talk about Mrs. Carmody. She's fairly important.
1: Yes, she is. She definitely is. She's a little bit crazy, a whole lot crazy, a little bit crazier in the book than she is in the movie, I would say, and a little bit younger in the movie than she is in the book. Oh,
0: uh, okay. I haven't read the book in a while. Well, how is she in the book?
1: She's uh, older. She She's explained to have, like, uh, uh, age spots on her hands and things like that. And You know, the woman in the movie may be, like, Forty-five, fifty. I mean, she's not that old.
0: Okay, yeah. So Mrs. Carmody is the freaky old religious nut. I guess we can say that in the town. I apologize to my religious nuts in the audience. But she is the local, almost they would say witch. Everyone thinks she's a weirdo and she's like preachy and stuff. And they see her in the store and everyone like they avoid her at first because she's just a weirdo.
1: Yeah, and in the book, she's also described as having, like, prescribed remedies to people, so I think, like, a witch is, you know, kind of like a modern, crazy witch is a way, a good way to explain
0: her. Oh, good, so, uh, so soon after my skeleton key episode, I'm very excited to talk about another <laughs> one of those. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so Mrs. Carmody in there, the whole town is in there, and there's some soldiers in there, and the soldiers have come down from Project uh, Arrowhead, I believe, and, uh, and right from the start, David's wondering, why are there so many soldiers in here? It's weird. And we find out later the soldiers were – they were leaving for some kind of extended leave, but they get called back to the base because of this incident.
1: Yes, the MP comes in, and he's like, no, you guys can't have leave. I don't care what was approved here. You, you're going to meet me back here in five minutes, and we're going to leave, which kind of explains why there was so much army presence in the first like 10 minutes of the movie because if you remember when they were heading to the store they passed like five six army trucks it was quite a bit
0: yeah that's one thing it's a it seems like a minor subplot at first if you've never seen this episode this movie before that right from the start right after the storm right after this mist starts rolling in out the, out of the mountains there's these army trucks and jeeps and tanks all over the place huge huge military presence. And you start hearing all these rumors that, you know, the reason we got this mist in town is something happened up at the Army base. So this will – it becomes increasingly more important later.
1: Oh, definitely. And the fact that they don't have any cell service or phone service. Can you just say foreshadowing?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's Maine, Jesse. What do you expect?
1: Well, I don't know. We have have five cell service here in Kentucky. It can't be that much different.
0: That's right. Kentucky is now talking shit about Maine. There we go. I'm
1: just kidding. I love you, Maine.
0: No, you don't. (laughs) Don't even pretend.
1: I've never been there. I wouldn't know.
0: (laughs) I have been there just once, just in the very southern part. I went to uh, Ogunquit. My wife and I did a cross-country drive, and we drive right up to Ogunquit, which is at the bottom of the state. I'm going to throw a little Stephen King trivia at you here. Do you know which uh, Stephen King novel is fe- features Ogunquit?
1: Um, let me take a shot in the dark and say uh, uh, Matt, uh, Rose Matter.
0: No, 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 not Rose Matter. This is not, a yes. This is a The Stand reference. My favorite Stephen King book of all time. That Franny and Harold. You know Franny and Harold, right? Yes. They are from the coastal town of Ogunquit.
1: That's cool. That's
0: very cool. Yeah, so that's my only experience. Other than, other than that, Maine probably sucks, like uh, Jessie herself has pointed out. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, so all the people are in the store, and crazy Mrs. Carmody's in there, and they're all avoiding her, and this is where things ramp up, and things ramp up very quickly in this movie. And I will say it's weird because it's a two-hour movie, but it, it like gets right into the action right at the start that some guy comes running into the store screaming.
1: Yes, uh, Dale from The Walking Dead. I do, don't remember what his actual name is or what his name is in the movie, but that is who I always know him as. He comes running in there screaming that something's in this mist, something's in this mist, it took Johnny, it took Johnny. And they and he runs in and basically everybody like shuts the doors and, yeah, panic ensues.
0: Yeah, and right from the start, there's this mist outside, there's a guy screaming, he's bloody, comes in the store, he's like, there's something out there, there's some creature. I don't know what it was. And Mrs. Carmody, of course, who is very helpful, the crazy old religious lady, what does she say? Does she helpfully calm everybody down?
1: Oh, of course. That's exactly what she would do. Not really. She immediately starts playing on everybody's fears, basically, and saying, oh, well, it's God's will. Like, it's just, that's what's out there. They're coming for us. There's atoning for our sins.
0: It's death. That's her one phrase. It's death out there. God has brought down judgment on our town.
1: Yes. Like any religious nut.
0: And you know what? She's kind of right. I got to give props to Mrs. Carmody here.
1: Huh. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to say. Uh, you know, to uh, to an extent, but I don't necessarily think it was purposefully on her tail. You
0: know. <laughs> so, you know, she walks around saying everything is death. So eventually it's like a broken clock. Eventually she's going to be right. Like...
1: Well, exactly. At, at one point, you're going to be right, at least twice a day, right? Yeah.
0: Like, the, like the, the gas station attendant overcharges her. She's like, this is death. This is God coming down. He's like, fuck you. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, eventually, Mrs. Carmody is going to be right. And she is right in this case, that it is death. And right from the start, we have uh, D- David's little boy, Billy, being terrified because everyone's screaming and there's monsters outside. And the whole movie will be the dad trying to protect Billy. But anyway... Right at the start, we have one mom. And she I always kind of forget she's in this movie where she's like, I have kids at home. I need to go out there and save them. And then everyone else is like, no, don't. She's like, no, you guys don't understand. I have babies. I must walk out in that mist and go rescue my children. So she leaves.
1: She does leave. She does leave. Which I think is always bananas. But, um... I don't want to say any more than that because I don't, yeah, I don't know where you're going to go with this. So I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So there, there have been deaths out in the mist. We hear screaming and we know there's some kind of horrible creatures out there in the mist. And this mom just casually walks out to, you know, ostensibly her death. So she's gone and that's Well, we may or may not see her later.
1: Well, but in her fair, in all fairness, her, her, she, her baby probably would have died anyway if she didn't go out because they were like eight and younger. So, you know. I I don't know. I don't have children, but I can't say I can't blame her.
0: So you do not think an eight-year-old would stand a chance against the beasts from hell?
1: Uh, Not unless they uh, watched a whole lot of horror movies in their life. I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) They needed to watch a Cabin in the Woods, Jesse's favorite movie.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, and some Hellraiser. Just give it, you know, that'll totally prepare them for the apocalypse.
0: (laughs) Okay, so here we go. It's time for the first death scene, and there will be many death scenes in this movie, But at the start of the, so all the people are trapped inside and they know there's a mist with some scary creatures out there and we haven't seen anything, but there's a generator in the back of the store that they need to use it to keep the groceries all cold and what happens, it gets blocked or something, it stops working?
1: Yeah, it it gets kind of blocked by something, and um, our main character, David, goes back there, and he, like, starts to smell something weird, and he goes back there and basically shuts it off for a minute. Um, But when he comes back out, everybody's kind of mad. Well, Ollie and Norm and somebody else is really mad that he, like, shut it off because they're like, well, oh, we got to keep these groceries cold. We can't keep it shut off. And so they go back into there after he's already shut it off.
0: Yes, and one important thing that we have both forgotten to mention is that as David is back in the store shutting off the generator, he sees something rather large rippling and leaning against a sliding metal door. There's something, he, yeah, yes, something very big is outside.
1: Yes, yeah, something very large is outside, like the like the loading dock bay window kind of things they have. Uh, yeah, something was beating up against that. He didn't really know what it was, um, but he rightfully got out of there for a minute anyway.
0: Yes, and we are going to see very soon what those big things are. And again, this, I, I'm assuming most people have watched this movie. If you have not, this is a horrifying movie. It's just nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here we go. The, uh, the, it turns out that the generator, the vent to the generator outside has been blocked. Something large and perhaps tentacled is blocking it. I don't want to say too much. spoiler Spoiler. yeah so so someone has to go out into the mist and they have to open the vent and this is where we get the first hero slash martyr of the movie uh norm now do you know norm from his other movies he may have been in
1: he looks super familiar but i did not imbd or whatever it is called him uh so no i don't know what but he looks so familiar so i know i've seen his other movies
0: have you seen american pie yes that is the shermanator
1: Oh, 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 without the hair.
0: Yeah, the well, the, he's basically got longer hair now, but that is the guy who had sex with a grapefruit. That's the Shermanator. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's a, wow. uh, a sexual cyborg sent back in time for one lucky lady <laughs> at a time. And he's about to meet his fate in the mist here.
1: With some tentacles. I feel like that's some, like, do justice or something. I think.
0: So, so that is all the girls at, uh, was it the West High? I forget the name of the high. That is all the girls getting revenge by sending the tentacled creature to kill the Shermanator.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, so so Norm, that's his name, sorry, not Sherman, but Norm, the Norminator is going to go outside and uh, open the vent, and they open this metal door, and they see the mist, and here's our first attack, and I will leave it to my good friend Jesse Bentley to explain the death of Norm to people.
1: So Norm uh, starts to crawl out, and uh, some big old tentacle comes in, grabs him by the leg, and it listen, this is not just your normal octopus tentacle, I will say this, it almost has like these spider venom fangs on the sides of the tentacle that come in and like rip off your flesh it's not just a tentacle because that's one thing you get some suckers stuck to your or whatever but these things will rip off your flesh and that's it and so he got like his part of his leg ripped off and then he like grabs the door the like sliding glass door um david our wonderful protagonist tries to help him he's one of the only ones that tries to go help him he grabs him and he's like Oh, please help me. Somebody help. And then finally Ollie runs over. Somebody that owns the store runs over and tries to help. But the other guys that are out there just don't do anything. They're like, oh, oh I don't know what to do. Big tentacle. And I understand that. But, like, help the poor kid. He's, like, 17. Yeah.
0: yeah, poor Norm does not meet a great fate here. And Jesse described it very well. A tentacle grabs him. Nobody helps him. And, yeah, the, the tentacles have, like, uh, claws on it
1: or claws yeah i don't know what you would call them
0: now is that true to the book again since you read the book so recently was that how he how he dies in the book
1: so to an extent but it did not explain the tentacles like that it was more just like a tentacle grabbed him and then like nobody helped him and he kind of slipped out and into the mist okay uh, but it was a little more gruesome in the movie, to be honest
0: yeah I, that's one thing i do remember is that everything i remember as being gruesome in the book the movie does it five times worse.
1: Oh, 100%. The monsters are way more than what, like, I think Stephen King imagined in the in, in the
0: books. And Stephen King himself has said, this is the only Stephen King movie that ever scared him.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a testament to it then. Definitely.
0: Yeah, and I, I will apologize to some people. I don't generally recommend movies that are super graphic and bloody. I don't generally like those, but The Mist is pretty graphic. So as Jesse Nicely explained. Norm has pieces of his flesh peeled off more than once, so it's a very bloody attack scene as he is dragged out to his death. And I, I don't even remember what happens. He like basically gets dissolved by acid or something
1: well they basically yeah he basically just like pulls him out and then you see his like he's like holding on with his fingertips and his head like into the like in inside and then he just gets pulled out and you don't see him after that and they just kind of it's a bunch of blood and then they just kind of shut the doors and yeah
0: <laughs> r.i.p this is where our friend the beer chemist jesse pours a little beer on the ground in honor of the shermanator poor shermanator beer pour so that is our first death, that this kid has been dragged out by this giant tentacled monstrosity. And this is where the people in the store realize we may have a bit of a problem. If there's one of those out there, how many are in front of the store? And, Jesse, there's a big a vulnerability on the store. What's the problem with the front of the store? It's all glass windows. <laughs> yeah, not only can monsters see inside, but that glass isn't going to hold, especially against something big. So... This is where they realize the problem, that these these horrible beasts, mythical, like uh, biblical beasts out in the mist, and they have no defense against them.
1: Yeah, so they start to take anything they can, basically just dog food, heavy sacks of, like, I guess, kitty litter, whatever you would have at a grocery store, and just pile it up against these windows.
0: And this is also where they start dividing into camps, right, little teams Mm -hmm. inside the store. So explain that to people.
1: So you basically have Mrs. Carmody's like, little group of Christian crazy nutholes, and then you have um, – what was his name? The lawyer friend that he had – or his, not his friend, but the lawyer that lived next door to him.
0: Mr. Norton is what I have. I have.
1: Mr. Norton, yes. You have him and Mr. Norton. Um, his whole group is kind of like trying to figure out a way to go outside or maybe – they're kind of skeptics against all of this. They're the ones who are like, you guys are crazy, there's nothing going on, we just need to get out of here, this is normal weather, what's up?
0: Yeah, the, and and that that's a very important part of this movie that David and the people in the back who saw this tentacled monster tell everyone there's monsters out there, and then Mr. Norton, the lawyer inside, who's very logical and doesn't didn't see it, says there's no way you're just making this up. So it becomes the believers against the non-believers, and Mrs. Carmody off to the side, the little nut job, she starts preaching her. She goes on her really a whole bunch of little soliloquies here, right, about talking about how the this is from the Bible, this is Old Testament, end times have come.
1: She preached for hours and hours, is what I gathered. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and she, there's one word she keeps using, that the Bible is telling us that God is here, this is Judgment Day, the Bible calls for, and I didn't know this word, expiation?
1: I don't know exactly what it means, but yes, expiation. A bloodshed or something, is what I, context clues? I don't know.
0: Yeah, without looking it up specifically, I think it's, yes, blood sacrifice.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Wow.
0: So that's where we're going to go later in the movie as Mrs. Carmody is going to start a getting getting followers and believers and start demanding people are sacrificed out to the monsters. But for now, she's just warning people that this is, you know, we've been, she, What what is she she goes on a rant? There's We've been mocking God for too many years, and she goes on about abortion, and there's a couple other things. What Remember her issues she brings up?
1: Oh, I don't remember all the issues, but I know that she just goes on and on about everything. Um... I, I don't
0: remember. Yeah, she. Let's just say she has a lot of issues. She she's been keeping a list of all her for her therapist. One day, of all the things that piss her off.
1: All the sins of the town and all and what have you.
0: Yeah, a mankind in general, even more than the town. Like oh, we have probably, mock, yeah. yeah. And and Mrs. Carmody makes a promise. She's like, they will come for someone else tonight. This won't be the first death. Mark my words. You people will all be on your knees before me tonight.
1: But again, every clock is right at least twice a day. Yeah.
0: I mean this is just what she says when she's in the store every time. So yeah, I mean pretty
1: much. Oh somebody's gonna die tonight. Well yeah, you're probably statistically correct.
0: Yeah, just buy your orange juice and get out of my goddamn store.
1: Basically, please leave.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh okay, so this is where the, the people start gathering guns and supplies just in case there's something bad out there. And this is the uh time for death scene number two. Where Norton, the, the lawyer, the next door neighbor, who is the logical one, says there's nothing out there. We'll just walk out there and, and no, I'm sure no harm will befall us.
1: Yeah, so him and a few other people go out, and I believe somebody grabs somebody's keys and they tie a rope around uh, the biker guy. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct because it has been mentioned that somebody has a shotgun out in their car, and it's about 300 feet out into the mist away from the entrance. So they're just Ambrose. Gonna, yeah, yes. yeah, they're going to walk out to the car and they'll tie a rope around their waist, just so you know how far we got. And with that, Norton and his little group go out into the mist, and let's just say it does not end especially well for them.
1: Hmm. Uh, to say the least. Uh, so they are holding onto this rope, uh, David at the front, and then all of uh, Ollie and Ambrose and some other people are behind them, just hold onto this rope, trying to let him like have enough slack to get out to where he needs to go. Um, and then all of a sudden it goes taut. That's never a good thing.
0: Yeah, I've seen Jaws. When the rope goes taut, that's a bad sign.
1: That's always a bad sign. Uh, so it proceeds to basically burn their hands, rope burn, goes all the way out, and then goes limp. Also not a good sign.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, there's a lot of <laughs> horrific scenes in this movie. This one I think is probably the most graphic. I would, graphic I, well, I mean, it's not, you don't see, it's more implied, but yeah, they, somebody has been attacked out in the mist. This biker guy had a rope tied around his waist. And they it went taut, and this is the other thing that I love about the scene. Not only does the rope go taut, it suddenly goes very, very high.
1: Hmm. Uh, yeah. If it's ever going up in the air diagonally, that's not natural. Definitely, yeah. something has taken you.
0: Yeah. So they they pull back on the rope. They said, "What happened to this biker guy who wandered out in the mist?" And. First, they start pulling back the rope, and all of a sudden, all the, the blood and guts are all over the rope, and everyone in the store is like, "Ew!"
1: I can't believe they kept g- grabbing onto it, though, after all the blood. Like, put a shirt on it, do something. That's, eh.
0: It's Maine, Jesse. It's a different place. Okay, true. <laughs> so they're pulling back, and now they retrieve what is left of the biker who has gone out to the car. Which part of the biker do they retrieve, Jesse?
1: Oh, just his legs, just his bottom part of his torso, his old chaps or whatever they call them. Yeah, and some intestines, I think, came back with him.
0: Yeah, so whatever has is out in the midst, they again, we still have not seen any of these monsters. We've just seen a tentacle. No. Something has grabbed this biker, cut him in half at the waist, lifted him up and flown away or something. And all you see is his lower half being dragged back to the store, especially graphic scene. And uh, it's going to get worse. All right, so we get the dead biker and all the people who went out in the mist apparently probably died. There was like eight of them, including Mr. Norton. We never do hear from him again, so we're assuming he's dead. And now Mrs. Carmody just says, now do you believe me? Now do you people believe me? And immediately cut to nighttime.
1: So at this point, everything is dark and they are. Um, it's coming upon nighttime. And they decide to turn the lights on, which is rightfully so, because all of these Well, rather large bugs that almost look like big flies, big mosquitoes, something like that, kind of start coming to the door. So you know how he said the supermarket was lined with these like large windows. Well, the light obviously attracts bugs and so one bug comes, two bugs come, three bugs come, and they are ginormous. I'm talking like three, they're like three feet or so probably in length, Um, and they're just coming on to the door. And the people just keep lighting more lights. I don't understand why they do that, though.
0: Well, because the, the bugs look so harmless, like little fireflies. Like, you just. Now, oh, are they in the book? I, I vaguely remember this being my favorite part of the book with the bugs on the, lo- on the window, right?
1: Yeah, they're there. If I remember, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, this is the. We'll call this the calm before the storm. Where this is where they they make great use of the front of the grocery store being all glass is that all these big bugs, like fireflies, are landing on the window and just sitting there and like um and just being attracted to the light, everyone's like, "Ooh, look at the pretty bugs, but oh,
1: but something always eats the smaller bugs, <laughs> yeah. so then something else comes in and proceeds to like halfway bust one of the windows in and starts eating the bugs and i and at that point, you would think they turn the lights off just because. It's going to keep attracting it. It's going to keep, like, they're going to keep busting in. But, no, they shine more light on it.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. There's these bugs are outside, and the bugs look harmless. But they also have these really long stingers, which I guess I kind of forgot about.
1: Poisonous, yeah.
0: And the bugs are prey for something big, which I could only call a pterodactyl that is about to come in the store.
1: Like a baby pterodactyl. I would always imagine pterodactyls to be much larger. They're like a... Like a German shepherd side pterodactyl.
0: <laughs> now, you're, are you a, a game, are you a Dungeons & Dragons player?
1: I have not. I have two sets of Dungeons & Dragons, but we have not got into it. We are trying to get into it.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to throw a and d monster out here. It's not so much a pterodactyl as it is a wyvern when I look at it.
1: Oh, no, I do know wyverns. I play WoW, so I do know what wyverns are.
0: Yeah, so that would you say these are basically wyverns?
1: Yeah, sure. That's a very good description.
0: Okay, yeah, so these big wyverns come, and they're attacking the bugs, and the collateral damage, of course, is the glass in the front of the store. So all of a sudden, these bugs and these pterodactyls come in the store, and this is where all hell breaks loose because all
1: hell breaks loose.
0: not only are the pterodactyls nasty with these big, long beaks, but the bugs have these horrible, horrible stingers on them.
1: Oh, yeah, they had these horrible stinkers on them, and they land on this poor one girl, uh, one of the cashiers, I believe, and she gets
0: stung, right? Yeah, this is, yeah, I don't like this scene. She gets stung in the neck, and she has some, what is the word, anaphylactic, anaphylactic? I always forget the... the...
1: An- anaphylactic.
0: There you go, thank you, My beer chemist knows this word. Yes, yeah, so she goes into shock, and she immediately, her neck swells up like a tire.
1: Oh, like a, like, yes, like a balloon and a half, and she basically just, I mean, she gets blue and just just kind of dies, unfortunately, because she just swells up from this, from this sting of this, of this bug that they thought were so harmless, (laughs) but that's now loose in their store. I mean, they've got like 20 of them roaming around the store now.
0: Yeah, although there's an important scene here where the bugs are going around the store stinging people and the wyverns are flying around ripping people's necks off. There's an especially nasty scene where the one of the mm-hmm. pterodactyls pulls a guy's head. But this is where we get an especially important scene where Mrs. Carmody, the religious nut, one of the bugs lands on her. Yeah, and, and like everybody else who gets a bug landing on them, freaks out and the bug stings them and kills them. But for some reason it spares Mrs. Carmody.
1: So I have a theory about that. They knew she was crazy and they didn't want that. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I wrote down. I was like, oh, they knew she was crazy. They didn't want to stink crazy. Uh, but it kind of just sets up that whole like, oh, maybe she is like a, a prophet. Maybe she does understand what's going on. Like, oh, the bugs didn't get her.
0: There's a great Mrs. Carmody theory, a fan theory that I'll talk about at the end of the episode. But it kind of ties into that, that. That Mrs. Carmody, had. this is where they believe, where because the bug doesn't sting Mrs. Carmody, the people in the store start to believe she actually is a witch or a prophet. So she will become very, very powerful because she's the one that the bugs won't kill.
1: Mm-hmm. But that was not in the book, by the way.
0: Really? I didn't it know that. Not.
1: Nope, it was not in the book.
0: All right, good job Frank Darabont coming up with a better storyline than Stephen King.
1: Yep. <laughs> well, to an extent, it, it definitely gives it more depth.
0: Okay, so the bug attack and the pterodactyl attack, especially nasty. This is a horrific scene. But, hey, guess what? We're going to have one that's even worse coming up.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> the spider. Okay, so yes. <laughs> in, the midst, in the midst of this attack, some people have been burned because there was fire. People were throwing fire at the pterodactyls. And one, this one soldier has been horribly burned. And so David's like, you know, this guy's going to die. We need to get some medical supplies. And guess what? There's a pharmacy right next door.
1: Like every horror movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All we have to do is walk out into the mist and go to the pharmacy. And again, I'm sure no harm will come to us if that happens.
1: No, it's only like 20 feet away. Surely we can just wander over to the pharmacy. If any zombie movie taught me anything, it's don't go to the pharmacy first thing.
0: (laughs) Did you catch the name of the pharmacy?
1: I did not, no. What was it?
0: They don't mention it, but you have to look. It's on the back of the glass. It's called King's Pharmacy.
1: Oh, that's glorious. Of course it is. He has to weasel his way in there somewhere. Yeah.
0: M-O-O-N. That spells King's Pharmacy. <laughs> so so David and a bunch of people go next door to get some medical supplies, because for some reason this is the only grocery store that has no medical supplies. <laughs>
1: right. At least not even ibuprofen or aspirin.
0: Yeah. we got to go next door. So they go next door, and this is... I mean I'm uh, there's no way other than to describe the scene as this is a nasty ass scene with spiders.
1: Oh, and I'm I, like I don't mind spiders. I am a huge bug phobe, but like spiders are cool. Spiders are your friendly like bug catcher. Not these spiders. These are spiders of death. So <laughs> they go like they go into this pharmacy just thinking, "Oh, we're going to get some we're going to get some like supplies." And I love the old lady by the way, Mr. Mrs. Rope Ro- Repler, Mrs. Repler, she's amazing. She's a badass old lady. And she goes into this pharmacy and she's like, Yeah, get this, get this, get this. And everybody's getting like all these supplies. And then they notice the spider webs in every corner.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, and it's, I don't know if we're totally doing justice to call this the spider scene. This is more of the alien scene. You know the movie Alien, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is. Think of the plot of Alien, is that foreign creatures will take a human, impregnate them with their spawn inside, and then the spawn will eventually burst out of them. That is what these spiders from this weird mist world do, is they have taken a bunch of victims that are cocooned up in the ceiling, and they are full of baby spiders, and just in case the scene is not horrific enough, the victims are not dead yet. They know that there's spiders inside of them.
1: Yeah, there's one specific MP that we get, like, from the beginning, who's one of the army guys, who's like, hey, wait, I'll be right back, which you should never say in a horror movie. He goes over to the pharmacy, and, of course, now we see him, and he's, like, cocooned up in these spiders, and he's still alive. And so, like, some of the spiders, you he, like, opens up his, like, shirt, and you can see some of the spiders still moving around in him. Absolutely disgusting. But he can still speak. He can still talk to you. So then he begin, he begins to, like, profess all of these confessions to david and his group
0: yeah he's the one that admits that the the mist was our fault we're the soldiers we caused this so and this will come up later
1: yeah and he's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry kind of thing
0: (laughs) right before the chest burster comes out
1: oh right before the chest burster comes out and then he like falls on his chest and then his oh and then his back it's like a, a, a cacophony of pimpled popping, but they're spiders, and oh, ooh.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Stephen King has a reputation for writing the most horrific stories, and the movies are horrible. Nothing in any other Stephen King book comes anywhere near this, except for maybe, maybe Annie Wilkes taking Paul's foot off with the axe.
1: Or the knees. I, like, cringed when she got the knees, but yes, regardless, yes. Yes. I never felt so much, like, pain, like phantom pain in my body.
0: Ooh. Oh, you're talking about Paul Sheldon yeah? when he gets hobbled?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that was the worst until this scene. Now, is this chest-bursting scene in the book? I forget.
1: Ooh. I don't think so. I don't think it is. I do not think that the MP was in, in there because it never – so the book doesn't really ever write out say what – cause the mist, it's more or less implied, mm-hmm. but it he it, it he never has that big grand confession that he does in the movie.
0: But do they have spiders laying eggs inside of people?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. There are a couple when they go into the pharmacy. Yeah, they they definitely see those spiders and their corrosive webbing, and they're described as absolutely horrific in the book. So it says that they have a twelve like twelve to fourteen legs in the book, and in the movie they were like typical spiders. But I just couldn't imagine more like more legs.
0: <laughs> yeah, these yeah, these spiders they not only lay their eggs in you but they shoot like acid. They have these little ropes that they s- flinging instead of webs they're shooting these acid ropes at you and anybody who gets touched by one it like burns right through their clothing and their skin and like the first five or six layers of like veins and it's it's really gross
1: they were doing like matrix moves to avoid them and then one guy gets shot in the face with it and you're like oh my goodness because you just see his like skin dissolve it's it's it's
0: horrible <laughs> yeah what And, again, we're not to the part of the movie that people say is horrible yet.
1: I know. I know. But this whole movie, like, just makes you cringe sometimes. You're like, I can't believe this.
0: Yeah, again, I will will put this – I will die on this hill that I will put this up against any other Stephen King horror movie in terms of being hardcore. Again, I don't think anything even comes close to The Mist.
1: Not as far as just being flat-out hardcore. No, no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so – Everything in the pharmacy goes to hell. There's a spider attack. People are cocooned. People are have little baby spiders in, implanted into their bodies. And only like five people run back to the store. And this is where Mrs. Carmody is all, you see, you see, there's death out there. I was right. And she's starting to gain a following. This is the problem that people in the store are starting to believe that she knows what she's talking about.
1: Oh, yeah, this is when they start gathering a following, and even one of the guys who went over to the pharmacy with them, I, I don't quite remember his name, maybe... His name was Jim, yes. So Jim comes back over from the pharmacy, and he uh, instantly almost becomes a follower of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Carmody instead of being back on the side of David like where he was. He's pretty much was just just like, yes, this is God's will, this is our, our sins we're atoning for, Blah, 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 because of everything he's seen at the pharmacy.
0: Yeah, and again, this is, like I said, this movie bothers my daughter. And my daughter is unshakable. No movie bothers her. But this movie really gets under her skin. And what I love is that it's not even the chest-bursting spiders. She's like, it's scary how quickly people turn into a religious cult and how they go to a mob. And all of a sudden, everyone is so enamored with Mrs. Carmody saying that death is upon them that they immediately start chanting for a blood sacrifice. And that that is what creeps out my daughter, that behavior right there.
1: Oh, well, that's just a whole cult mentality. Oh, definitely though. But like you get, you get people into a small facility and then you try to like put something stressful on them and it's just mom mentality. It's, ridiculous um but then they like you said they start chanting for a blood sacrifice but while they're doing this david and um his little group are going back to try to talk to the other soldier to see what's going on because they heard from that uh, mp that something you know it has to do with the military so what's going on
0: okay yeah this is very important and i'm glad you just read the book because i want to be very clear here in the movie they spell it out what happens why there's all these horrible creatures out in the mist. And basically, what is going on is the scientists up in the Arrowhead Project up in the mountains have been working with something to tap into an alternate dimension. It's like time travel or something. And somehow they have ripped a hole in between dimensions. And these creatures from this other world have come into our world. So this is like dinosaur times in some alternate universe. And all these creatures are in here. And that's what everybody's getting attacked by. In the movie, it's very explicit. You're saying in the book they're more vague about it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, they're not really that ever explicit, like, oh, yes, this is what did it. It just kind of alluded to, like, oh, it's the Arrowhead. It was like the the Arrowhead project. It was that. It wasn't ever explicitly, like, oh, yes, it was Dimension. We opened a window. Oh, are you sure it wasn't a door? It Yeah, it wasn't like that. Okay. So.
0: Yeah, so – That's one good way to describe the difference between The Mist, the book, and The Mist, the movie, that Stephen King is very vague about things, Mm -hmm. and Frank Darabont is very explicit, and now we will carry on right into the ending. Very much so. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, Mrs. Carmody is really gathering a cult of followers that believe she's like a, a devil, a witch woman, and she knows what she's talking about, and this is where they start the the, david's like we got to get out of here this lady's dangerous she's calling for our blood sacrifice he's like tomorrow morning we leave we get like five of us to go out to my car and we just drive as far as we can because this is horrific we're never going to survive but before they get out we have to go through the sacrifice scene
1: yes we do unfortunately the um the one military guy that's left who said that he was a local so just to like preface this uh, the other two military guys that were there with him had hung themselves um basically kind of ranting on basically they knew what they were doing um kind of felt guilty for what they were doing and, and they ultimately killed themselves but the one military guy that's left um ultimately becomes the sacrifice that mrs carmody wants they find uh him they they're like it's your fault You're the one that's brought this upon us. And he's like, it's not me. It's not me. It's a scientist. I didn't do anything. I'm just, I'm just a lowly little soldier. And they sacrifice him. I I don't know how else to say it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Mrs. Carmody says the soldier, he did this. This is the will of God. You're a Judas, a Judas in our midst. And this is where her mob of followers grabs the soldier.
1: Yes. They grab him and, and literally take him outside into the mist. (laughs)
0: Now, is that scene in the book? I forget. I don't think so. Okay, so Darabont, again, upping the game. Yeah, this poor soldier, they throw him out the front of the store, and they close the sliding glass door, so it's just him against whatever demon-spawn Hellraiser type thing is out there. And which one of the things decides to eat him, Jesse?
1: So it's a big, like, it's it's this huge giant thing that has, like, these crab-like claws and just comes down and kind of, like, snaps him. Gets
0: him. Yeah, it's a praying mantis slash crab. Giant. How how tall would you say this thing is? Ten feet t- I mean,
1: ten, ten stories tall. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: Gi- it's giant. A, it's a building. This building with claws comes and plucks this poor soldier, grabs him, and snaps him in half, and you see the the bottom half of him fall to the ground. It's theoretically the same thing that probably got the biker.
1: Yes, and it's, still as equally horrific.
0: Yeah, but we see this one a little bit. But anyway, yeah, you see this big old building. And what's funny is this this building-sized monster is not the largest monster we're going to see in this movie. we still got one that's going to top this one even. One more! <laughs> okay, so we're almost to the end of the movie. And again, a lot of this movie is just attack scenes and horrific violence. And now they've had their blood sacrifice, and Mrs. Carmody runs the store. And now it's the last day, and it starts with a very, a very touching scene, Jesse, with the dad and the son. You know which one I'm talking about?
1: Oh, the one where he starts crying and they're like, are we going to get
0: out? Yeah, he's like, Dad, whatever happens, don't let the monsters get me. So, David, no matter what happens in this movie, Jesse, will not let the monsters kill his son.
1: Very true.
0: <laughs> so, just remember that little promise. The dad is going to do his best. No monster will ever eat his child. Okay, and here here's the escape scene. This is where David and his followers, he's like, like six or seven of them, I forget how many, they're all going to run out first thing in the morning because they can't take another day of Mrs. Carmody and all these beasts, and they're going to make a run for it, but who are they blocked by at the door on their way out?
1: Oh, of course, Mrs. Carmody, because they had, like, tried to stock away some groceries, just like a couple bags. It was just a couple bags. They tried to stock them away, and she's like, are you stealing? <laughs> when they tried to take them and run out. And it's like, no, he he worked there. He's not stealing if anybody wasn't stealing in the whole movie.
0: Yeah, okay, and this is where I have to say. I think Mrs. Carmody is really good in this movie, the actress who plays her. Like, I buy that that lady is batshit crazy.
1: Yes. Yes, and that's exactly how she's described in the book. It's batshit crazy.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) just for people, you probably don't know this, the actress who plays her is named Marsha Gay Harden, and she normally plays like lawyers or moms or businesswomen. So this is like such an extremely different role for her that I know she was having fun because this is not the type of role she usually plays.
1: Oh, that's amazing, though. That makes it even better. Because it, she was very convincing in this role, especially in the scene, in that scene.
0: Yeah, and one could argue, I mean, she's the main villain in this movie, not the monsters. It's Mrs. Carmody showing the frailty of humans when it comes to when things are frightening. They will turn to any crazy leader out there, which is exactly what happens in the store here.
1: Humans are a real enemy, aren't they?
0: So <laughs> Mrs. Carmody blocks them from leaving. And she says, you know, you're trying to steal food. You're going against God's will. I think there should be a punishment. And everyone's like, punishment, punishment. And this is where she demands another sacrifice. Now, which one of David's party of intrepid escapers does she call to be the sacrifice this time?
1: Billy. She wants Billy.
0: Billy. Billy is not going to make it out of this movie alive. Mrs. Carmody is going to sacrifice the boy and not only the boy, he wants, there's a special ed teacher in this movie who is friends with David, and she wants that girl, too. She wants the boy and the whore.
1: Oh, Amanda? I didn't know she called her the whore. Wow.
0: <laughs> so this is where Mrs. Carmody crosses the line. Now she's calling people whores. Terrible.
1: Well, and she wants a little boy for a sacrifice. Now, come on, a man. I get that. But let's go. Go. Leave the kids alone.
0: Yeah. Well, thank God, Jesse. Billy does not die here. Billy is spared because there's no way we'd be able to handle a little boy dying in this movie. So luckily, Billy is spared here.
1: (laughs) Yes, he's spared.
0: (laughs) How is he spared? So this is where uh, Mrs. Carmody dies, right? She gets shot?
1: Yes, she does. So wonderful little Ollie, who is um, our store clerk, pulls out his trusty revolver and fires one great shot right into her noggin.
0: Yeah. The end of Mrs. Carmody. And unfortunately, no, she gets shot in the stomach and then the forehead. Is that how she dies in the book?
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He does shoot her. And he he, when they're going out, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Or like I wouldn't have done that kind of thing, like very apologetic about it. (laughs) So I kind of understand, like you wouldn't do that unless, you know, you have some crazy psycho trying to kill a child.
0: Yeah, I think Ollie's defense will probably hold up in court here if, if the oh, judge yeah, 100%, 100%. knows Mrs. Carmody.
1: 100%. <laughs> so I, I I respected him for this. So. <laughs>
0: you're, you're Team Ollie. You're not Team Mrs. Carmody. That's good.
1: Team Ollie!
0: <laughs> so Ollie, of course, the hero of the story, is going to die a minute later.
1: Oh, less than a minute probably in the movie, which was very tragic. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but it's quite ironic, I guess. <laughs>
0: So little Ollie has just killed Mrs. Carmody and all the heroes, the David and his party of like six people. It's like him, the special ed teacher slash whore and Billy and then Ollie and then the old people run out. And Ollie is immediately cut down by the giant crab thing.
1: Ollie is immediately cut down by the giant crab thing. Uh, We don't even get to see his bottom extremities or anything. We just see his uh, bloody gun drop to the hood of David's car.
0: And then we also
1: see um, some of the other his crew get killed by these um, crazy spider things that were in the pharmacy before with their corrosive web. Yeah.
0: Luckily, we haven't seen the end of the spiders. They're back.
1: Oh, spiders are there forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, so lots of people are getting cocooned and Little babies implanted into them. And so David and the final five, we'll call them the final five, they get in their car. He's got a Land Cruiser, and he grabs Ollie's gun. That's very important, Jesse, that David has that gun.
1: Very important, which is also something that just made me crazy during the movie was why didn't he just get out? Why didn't he just put a foot out into it and grab the gun instead of, like, trying to reach without getting out of the car? (laughs)
0: Jesse, who are you to say you're better than David Drayton? Come I'm on. I'm
1: not. I mean, I'm short. I, I guarantee you I couldn't reach it. I would have just gotten out of the car. <laughs> well,
0: that's how they do it in Maine, Jesse. You sit in the car and you reach out. It's a whole different culture up there.
1: So frustrated.
0: So, yeah, it's David and his girlfriend and Billy, the little boy, and the two old people. And we are, it's very important. There's five people, remember that. And they drive away and they escape. And that, you know, theory... The movie would end here. It's a happy ending, right?
1: In theory and kind of in the book, yeah, sure, it's a happy ending. Um, they... Well, I don't know where you want to go with it.
0: <laughs> oh, we're going to go. Oh, it's time to go there, Jesse. So <laughs> if people don't like spoilers, don't listen to the rest of this, although you can probably guess where we're going. I've kind of hinted at it.
1: Uh, yeah. So in, in, in the movie, um, David and his son and the three other people go and uh, first start looking for his wife because that's the important part is at the very beginning of this, he left his wife behind. Um, and they go to find her trapped uh, in a cocoon by none other than our infamous spiders.
0: <laughs> um, I was, was going to say, you have to kill the hero's wife. But, of course, they do it in the most horrific way possible. She gets cocooned and, and desiccated, I believe would be the term.
1: Yes. Yeah. And she just kind of like there. She's just kind of hanging there in her little spider web. And they just kind of drive off after that. He kind of, you know, he, he's sad about it, I'm sure. But just he was like, oh. I told her I would replace that window and just drives off.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is the proper amount of time of mourning. Four seconds.
1: Sure. Four seconds, definitely. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah, so they they drive off, and he knows his wife is dead, and we find out that, of course, the whole town is just destroyed, everything's gone. Mm-hmm. And my wife really likes this part of the movie. There's this like Celtic music playing in the background, the sad music, like Irish music.
1: Oh, it was too loud, but besides that, it was good music, but it was way too loud for everything, but the music was very ominous, very eerie, very, like, banshee-like, and and they're driving through the town, they come upon the school bus that has, like, a little girl encased in cocoons, (laughs) (laughs) or spiders again, Uh, they keep on driving around, and then they get to... um, a point where this very large monster, the largest monster that we've seen, um, kind of comes stomping through.
0: <laughs> yeah, again, we saw this mantis-crab thing that was like 10 stories tall. This thing's got to be 100 stories tall, and they just drive under. He's like a big old, like almost like a skeleton of a brontosaurus, and he's just massive. He's got tentacles hanging off him, and I know that's in the book, right?
1: Yes, it is in the book. Um, it, it says that he's like this massive creature with these tentacles and has these things, like bird-like creatures, flying around him, which is very much what happened in the movie. So,
0: and in the book, that is where it ends, basically, right? Where they're just driving off and all hope is lost, and they drive under this giant Brontosaurus, and they're like, "Oh crap, we're screwed."
1: And they drive under this Brontosaurus and they reach, so they reach somewhere else. And he, like, they're, like, sleeping for the night. I don't know if it's in the car. Um, And he talks to his son, and he, like, whispers, Hartford and, like, you know, like, keep going kind of thing. Like, don't give up hope. It was hope and Hartford is what he said to him. Um, And then that's where the book ended.
0: And the movie does not end there, correct?
1: Oh, the movie definitely does not end there.
0: Yeah, the movie decides we're going to go one more scene, Now, there's, okay, I will set this up. So, David is driving, and he's through, like, the entire town, probably the entire New England area is just covered with fog or mist. There's these monsters everywhere attacking, killing everybody, these prehistoric beasts from another dimension. And he starts driving as far south as he can. In the movie, they run out of gas.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. They 100% run out of gas. And then um, one of the old men in the back is just like, well... We gave it our best
0: shot. Yeah. they There are two options at this point in the movie. They can get out of the car and be torn apart by monsters, or David has a gun, and there's four bullets in the gun, and there's five people. So this is where the euthanasia debate comes up, and it doesn't rear its head, but you know, just with the way they're looking at each other, should we kill, our, kill ourselves? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, and then David says his final thing of, I'll figure something out, and then proceeds to kill the other four of them, starting, I'm assuming, with his son, I would hope with his son. It's never really...
0: Oh, I never thought about that, but the son had to be first.
1: I would really hope so, because I know know it was the front seat and then the back seat, and I'm just really hoping it was his son first.
0: Oh, God, so... That's what we've been hinting at in this movie. This is the movie where the main hero kills his own son at the end. Although, in his defense, he said, I will never let the monsters eat you. And he never did so. Dad is technically fulfilling his promise here, (sighs) Jesse. Yeah, I know. It's just super sad. (laughs) So, David shoots all the people in the car. He kills his son, his girlfriend, and the two old people. And because he only has four bullets, he doesn't have the fifth one to kill himself. And he puts he puts the gun in his mouth and starts dry-clicking it, right?
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, no magic bullet's going to appear, Mr. Man. So he just kind of gets out of the car after that and proceeds to yell at the sky, hoping that whatever this rumbling noise he hears will come and, like, kill him and just end it, just, like, let this be over.
0: And that's not what happens, is it?
1: Oh, that is not what happens at all, because the rumbling that he thought was a monster... Was not a monster. You know what it was? It was a tank. It was a whole lot of tanks and the army and the people from the grocery store and some people who are fighting off all the cocoon creatures with fire.
0: Yeah. Okay. <sighs> let's let's sum this up for people. So David has killed everybody in his car, including his little eight-year-old son Billy. Billy gets the old Eric Clapton treatment here. And, uh, that was horrible, but, but, uh, and then he gets outside. He's uh, waiting to be plucked to death by some monster. And immediately right then the army comes through. They have apparently closed the porthole between dimensions and all the monsters are being killed. The army is blowing them up with flamethrowers and David has a happy ending. He's going to live because the good guys won. The, the threat has been dissolved. The world is back to normal. Except guess what? David just shot his own son five seconds ago
1: literally could you not have waited 10 minutes to just see if the rumbling you heard was actually a monster.
0: <sighs> yeah, And we see though with the mom, the mom from earlier in the movie who left the store is there with her two kids. She made it home safely with her kids. And she's like, Hey, look what I got. I got my kids. You got your kid, David. <laughs> He's like, um, not so much.
1: So I want to say one thing about that. She had on a four leaf clover necklace in the movie.
0: Ah, maybe that ties in with the Irish music. The Irish. dude.
1: I don't know, but I noticed that and I was like, Oh, Oh, I get it, because like, it's kind of like weird foreshadowing, like, oh, she's lucky, she's going to survive, but, you know, I don't know. I'm reading too much into the movie, probably, <laughs> but.
0: So so her pagan religion defeated Mrs. Carmody's Old Testament religion, so this is basically the Wicker Man where the pagan religion wins over the Christianity.
1: Huh. That's a good theory.
0: <laughs> Here, here's another theory. This is one I just saw floated on the internet today. Is that Mrs. Carmody earlier in the movie said a blood sacrifice is necessary to escape this evil, and she points to his son, and the minute David kills his son is when the evil gets cleared up. So, in a way, maybe Mrs. Carmody was kind of right.
1: Yeah, maybe just Billy was possessed. I'm just kidding. Probably not that, but not, you know, I bet, huh. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah, so it's. One of the most horrible endings ever where David kills his own child and then he's rescued and he just screams because he knows he has to live with the death of his son for the rest of his life. He just shot him and we fade to black. And that is why there's a lot of people who hate this movie.
1: When I first watched it, I was not a a fan of it. To be honest, I thought the ending was ridiculous, but the more I watched it, the more I was like, okay, I get it. I like, I understand it. It's a rough ending. It's a rough ending to know that this guy either has to, like, like his, his wife's dead, his only kid is dead, his whole town's probably dead.
0: Yeah, and all the food at the store is spoiled, too. It's terrible.
1: Oh, my God. Damn you, Norm. You couldn't go out and fix a generator.
0: Damn you, Sherman. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, again, for everybody who loves this movie, there's someone who hates it because of that ending. And if you know me, you've heard me talk about this on Staff Picks, that I love when horror movies will go there, will cross that line. And I always, I always talk about, have you heard the, my, me talk about the dog theory, Jesse? No, I haven't. That a horror movie has to kill a dog just to prove that they have balls, because most movies won't kill a dog. <laughs>
1: oh, my God.
0: And so if a horror movie will kill the dog, you know you're in it for a good time because the director's not messing around. This one not only kills the dog, this one kills the main character's child. It kills the
1: boy and the dog.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) this one crosses way past even the dog barrier, and again, there's some people who absolutely want nothing to do with this movie because of the ending. There's some people who think the movie's, this is the greatest thing ever because it had so much balls. Now, you told me it it took you a while for this one to grow on you.
1: Oh, it did definitely, but after, like, reading the book, so... It's not often I say that Stephen King is more hopeful than the movie ends up being. But that's almost what this ended up being. And I was kind of surprised that the movie went darker than the book did. And I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest, after I learned that.
0: Yeah, she's pleasantly surprised to see the dead child. (laughs) I'm going to edit to make you sound horrible.
1: Oh, that's fine. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) This is revenge from Maine. The people from Maine you have besmirched.
1: Oh. (laughs) they gonna get me, aren't they?
0: <laughs> okay, so here's something I have to say: is that I know this is one of the urban legends about this movie that Stephen King went up to Frank Darabont and said, "I can't believe you put that ending in the movie. That's amazing. I wish I would have thought of that." That's kind of BS because I know the book. That ending is kind of in the book, and that Stephen King even suggests it, right?
1: He alludes to it definitely because at one point he's like, "Oh, I only have this many bullets." Uh, you know, so it it's alluded to that like he would go there, but it doesn't I mean Stephen King is never going to explicitly tell you anything
0: yeah there's Stephen King has an issue with killing kids in books, and I, I i I assume you've read pet cemetery right
1: yes, oh yeah definitely
0: the 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 legend behind pet cemetery is Stephen King wrote the death of this little boy Gage, and it was so horrific he vowed he would never do that again. Like that book really he thought was too pessimistic, and he really? like he like shoved it into a trunk, and he didn't publish it for a long time until he like owed a book on his contract, and so he dug out Pet Cemetery, and he's like fine, but he never liked Pet Cemetery because it's too negative.
1: Oh, why not write horror if you're not gonna be too negative? If you're not gonna go there, that's my feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean there you go. I agree with that. That's that's why I love that Darabont goes there, like. If you're going to write horror, you got to go there once in a while just to prove that you can. Like, horror movies are not supposed to be pleasant.
1: No. It's like you don't go into it hoping to get a happy-go-lucky ending. Like, oh, yeah, the world's back to normal. We're all fine and dandy. No.
0: Yeah. Every so often the bad guy has to win. And, and this is mm-hmm. – I just heard somebody yesterday. I was po- posting on Twitter that I was doing this movie, and some guy said, I hate that movie. I could not hate a movie more. And I'm hmm. like, why? He's like, because I go to the movie for escapism. I want to escape my problems in life. I don't want to see the main character's child shot. He goes, I'm a father. That's too far. You cannot do that in a movie. And I 100% disagree with him. And I'm a father, too. I have kids. But if it's a horror movie, you got to go there once in a while just to prove that you can.
1: You have to go there. You have to kill off everyone once in a while. And I'm going to. It's a shameless plug. That's why I like Cabin in the Woods, because sometimes you just have to have a bad ending. Sometimes you just have to have an ending that is just like everybody (laughs) does.
0: I am a fan of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Do you know that one?
1: I haven't watched it recently. I've watched it forever ago. Okay, well,
0: I will somewhat spoil it. Basically, the movie ends with all the children in the world dying
1: oh wait no that's the one where they're like on tv and it like brainwashes them or whatever yeah right? it
0: makes their faces melt and yeah these kids so anyway uh, i'm sorry i'm spoiling that for people but you always remember the horror movie where the bad guy wins
1: no i'm a fan of it because sometimes it has to do that sometimes you have to go there
0: exactly so that is the infamous mist from 2007 again a movie that's probably way too horrific for its own good that even horror fans are like nah that one's a little too much for me but it just it lodges in your brain you will not forget it and I again I will make the argument I'm sorry I'm going to piss off every Shining fan out there that I think (laughs) this is the best Stephen King horror movie by far
1: it grows on your like coffee
0: all right, so, Jesse, uh, I have to say, first of all, you were a delight to have on as a guest. I really appreciate your sense of humor and your knowledge, and I'm dying to have you back on, and I probably will have you on for Cabin in the Woods now.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I, I could talk to you forever about that movie. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Now, anything else you want to add, anything else you want to plug before we sign off here?
1: Um just the only other thing I want to say about this movie is I absolutely I absolutely love the old woman in the movie Mrs. Reffler I would I hope to grow up to be a badass old lady like her cuz she went to the pharmacy with them she went to the end with them she was badass and I like her
0: She even came up with a makeshift flamethrower if I recall
1: Yes she did the raid and the lighter yes I absolutely loved that to get rid of those fighters. I was just clapping the whole time I was so happy
0: now, if I recall, the actress who plays her, she's also in Misery. She's like the cop's wife.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah,
0: I think that's Frances Sternhagen, I believe, something like that. That's wrong. I'll cut it out. But I think that's her name.
1: That's very awesome. No, I did not know what her name exactly was, but I think she's awesome. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, she was great. Yeah, and unfortunately, she dies via bullets, much like Billy and uh, the whore, the girlfriend, but uh, uh yeah so anyway i don't really have much else to say other than this is a this is a top tier horror movie that goes places other movies don't and do not walk into this one unassuming this one will affect you
1: yes definitely go into it with an open mind and um willing to be scared a little pushed out of your comfort zone
0: yeah this is a what a horror movie looks like and uh yeah, that's, that's it. I'm really happy to bring it to you here at the end of Horror Month on Staff Picks. And again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. You can reach me at StaffPicksPodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until next time, I'll be out there looking for more movies that deserve more love. And I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. I'll talk to you guys later. Stay tuned in a couple days for the last horror movie in Horror Month, Halloween, the original 1978. Very excited to post that. I'll talk to you guys then. Bye. Sherman! Hey!
1: What the fuck are you doing here?